As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Everything's going great, right up until the moment it wasn't. Hi guys, this is Bonnie Somerville, and welcome to Second Act... I'm so excited for you to be here and join this journey with me. I've been wanting to do this for a really long time. And this is a journey that I'm doing because basically I'm in my second act right now. Or more like, I don't know, more likely, I don't know, probably 30th. But basically the idea for second act came after I had a very, very, very long run in the business as a model, a musician, a singer, a songwriter, got my first record deal when I was 18, uh, moved to LA when I was 21, um found myself five years later on the biggest show in the world, Friends, and my career just kind of went boom, 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 boom. I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't not get a job. I, it, I would turn around and I'd get a pilot or another pilot or two pilots. And I was always the girl that had a job. And then all of a sudden one day, turning in my 40s, uh, everything just kind of poof, fell apart. Bad relationship, death in the family, got let go from a huge TV drama, um, let go of a 20-year management team that were like family to me, and it all just kind of hit the fan. And I thought, who am I? What am I doing? Like, who, am I even an actress anymore? What, what do I do now? And a really dear friend of mine said to me, you know what? You just need to find your second act, man. Like, you just need to find something else. And I thought, oh, wow, that's a really – I like that concept because – Everyone has a story about that. Everyone has had to leave a job or, or, or pick themselves up after a death or, or a divorce or being laid off or getting canceled, fired, whatever. And I thought there's so many stories out there and I want to hear them and I want to help inspire people. So welcome. I'm so glad you're here with me. Um, before I introduce my guest, who I'm so excited about, please subscribe to Second Act wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, share on your social channels and please leave a five-star review because I really want to keep doing this. And you can follow me on Instagram at secondact underscore pod. Um, not hard to find. It's my big mug right in the corner in the left. I'm also Bonds Somerville on Instagram. Yeah, because I'm cool. Anyway, my first guest, very, very, very excited about is a very dear old friend of mine. I've known him since 2005. Um, we're a month apart and he's an awesome dude, and he was there when I got my very first drama, 
a leading role on a show called NYPD Blue. Maybe you've heard of it. Just a little cop show. One about, I don't know, 22 Emmys. I don't know. Little show. Jesse was promoted the year that I got my job uh, to exec producer director. Even though he had grown up on the set, we bonded and we became really, really close and he helped me a lot and has since helped me throughout the years. So I'm so excited to welcome Jesse Bochco to the show. Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in. I am so excited right now. I can barely sit still. Today I have on one of my most favorite people in the world. That's not bullshit. Um, he is a director. He's an exec producer. He's a writer. He's a bon vivant. Would you say you're a bon vivant? A little bit? Sure. He is one of my best friends. I've known him for almost 20 years. And his name is Jesse Bochco. Hi, Jesse. Hello, hello. How are you? Hi. I'm good. How are you? I'm good. What are you up to these days? How's COVID world? Oh, it's the best. <laughs> um, uh, I'm good. You know, we're just kind of, uh, here's the thing. I, I, I'm, I'm, uh, I've decided that we just need to figure out a way to do this and, and sort of lean into the reality but of our lives because I think we're looking at this for uh, – for the foreseeable future and really? uh, hopefully it's not too long but i i think we're looking at at least another six months of this uh and maybe more oh. but uh so so for me without being a, a drag or a bummer uh just trying to figure out what works you yeah. know i'm i'm all good wearing my mask in public i think i wish everybody else would um i like to eat in the outdoor areas if i can i like to see my friends and yards and beaches and things right. uh so that part, uh, look, it's hard and, and, and depression does set in at times, but, yes. uh, I think it's a, I think it's a really doable thing and, and I'm feeling blessed that it's not as hard for me as it is for a lot of people that I yeah. hear and read about. Um, however, this is the scariest, weirdest time I've ever seen in this country in my life, uh. And yeah, I mean, it's like, it's like, I just think it's one of the weirdest times ever scary, weird ever. Especially because you have a new, uh, you have a new child. I mean, a pretty relatively new human being. And then all this. Yeah. She doesn't, she doesn't smell like new car anymore, but she's pretty new. She's two and a half. And, uh, (laughs) and actually she's, she's more fun now than she ever was. She's actually the most stylish. Just so you know, if you ever look at Jesse Bacho's Instagram, um, his wife has her in the most stylish, hipster if anyone's gonna make a mask work it's little stevie bonnie why do you assume ray puts her in that stuff oh, and how long have you known me to know that i've true. got actually you know, you've got got some, yeah you know you have good style yeah, you always have good style just, uh, it's, i remember it's that a collab. it's a collab i remember that when we it's first met you had really good style speaking of well, first thanks. meet can you believe that we i was got my first leading role on jesse's show nypd blue in 2005 i had never oh, done a drama God. before and I was replacing somebody at final season. Um, who was I replacing in? I forgot her name. Charlotte. Charlotte. Right? Charlotte Ross. Charlotte Ross, yes. And I came in there and I was like, the greatest job of my entire life. But I met you. We were like instant like best friends, literally right off the block. I didn't even know who you were. You were so nice to me and helping me. And you're like, are you okay? Are you cool? And then I look at your chair and it's like Bochco. And I was like, oh. 
oh he's big time yeah i, I didn't do that with all, with like the guys that came in <laughs> of course not no but you were unbelievable i was a nervous wreck i really was a nervous wreck because that was my I, you know i was father's favorite too. yeah that's what i was gonna I say was you just got promoted wasn't yeah, that your so promotion to like, exec producer I, I was i was a co-executive producer i think i maybe it was just a producer i don't remember for sure but uh I was brand new to the whole thing. I directed one episode of television before that. Uh, and I literally didn't know what I was doing. Um, what episode was so it? So I did a, uh, an episode of a show called Philly with oh. um, Kim Delaney. It was Kim Delaney after NYP Blue. I saw, did, I had her own series. And um, and I, the, the show, when they really realized the show was ill-fated, um, they were like, wow, let the kid direct one. <laughs> so uh, Rick, well, you... Wallace and, Rick Wallace and Kevin Hooks, who are mentors of mine, uh, I was doing, I was, I was like running the ADR stage. I was doing post-production. And they were like, we, we, we think you should direct one of the last episodes. And I said, oh, no, 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 that, that's no. Uh-uh. I can't that's do that. Awesome. And they said, yeah, you can do it. Come on. Uh, they're like, don't worry. You, you know, we're not going to let you fall on your face. And you did, and, like, just for people, maybe if they've never, if they've had their heads under rocks, like, you grew up in the business. You did everything, right? You did everything. Um, like, you, you did so many I was around. Jobs. Yeah, you were around it all. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was around it growing up. And then, uh, yeah, when I was 22 and uh, I wasn't nearly done with college, I, I did a year at film school and I sort of faked going to university before that. Uh, it was more kind of like yeah, me a... Too. I majored in bong loads, but um, <laughs> I went I went to San Francisco Art Institute for a year, uh, and my girlfriend at the time and I were living together, and then uh, rather unceremoniously, she decided she didn't want to be my girlfriend anymore, and rather than stay in school and do the right thing and find my own life, I said, well, screw this, I'm going home, and I went back to LA, and I got a job, you know getting coffee and shit for people <laughs> and, right. then I, and quickly and quickly into post-production and I learned everything I I learned everything from post-production to be honest I learned more about directing and post-production than I did from watching other people direct really uh, and do you and, remember yeah. what, was, what was that first you your first show that you remember growing up on like the very first set like when you're a baby was that oh Hill street, man Hill street blues yeah Hill street blues for sure um that's so right i have a i have a very vague recollection before that my, my oldest dearest friend in the world is jake paltrow and his dad's bruce paltrow the, yeah the late great bruce paltrow and i mean we were our dads were such close friends that uh we just sort of grew up uh we've been with each other since we were born yeah and we i remember hanging out with jake on the white shadow set like in the <laughs> late 70s and that was awesome and you know we just they had like their own gym on the set it was oh, awesome so we we do that and then when we got a little older uh and my dad was doing hill street blues and and jake's dad was doing saying elsewhere they occupied the same building on the mary tyler moore uh, lot the mtm lot and so it was like and those guys were like i think they were 40 at the time they were kids they were, and they were having this extraordinary success. So that was like the, the loony bin. It was the fun house. It yeah. Was and back floors. then, geez, oh my God. And I can't imagine what you, now you can't do anything. No. So, it, you know, you'd walk in and there would be grown men, you know, playing baseball in a hallway that was 
you know, <laughs> seven feet wide. And you know, it was just, it was pure crazy. So Jake and I would go there every day of summer. We not, we didn't want to go to summer camp. We wanted to go to our dad's job. Yeah. And uh, Jake is now a, a, a filmmaker, writer, director. He directed and, me uh, on NYPD Blue. And directed you. That's right. Mm-hmm. So we would go there. We would, and then that, that lot was fun. They would let us just, they would let us disappear. We would go, we'd go play on the old West town. Uh, <laughs> it had Gilligan's Island set was on that lot. Oh and we would go down there. We would be the only people on the Gilligan's Island set out, you know, the exterior set and just <laughs> run around and just fuck around and do shit. It was heaven. So I, wait, so who was it, Who was after Ginger and who was after Marianne? That's a good question. Were you a, were you a Ginger a, guy or Marianne? I was always a Marianne. Uh, okay. Now that I'm older, I feel like I'm more ginger, though. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) To those of you listening that didn't grow up in this kind of lifestyle, I also really quite normal to go hang out on the Gillian's Island set. Howell, by the way. Oh, oh. Sleep on Mrs. Howell. Yeah, no, older women rock. Yeah, yeah, older Cougar Town, baby. No, no, it wasn't. I mean, it was. It felt normal to us when we were kids. But I don't. I don't even think it did. I think we knew how cool and and lucky that was um, to be able to do that. Did you know, like back then, like? I want to do this, man. This is something I want to do. Yeah, we, yes, we did. I think we both did. Yeah. Um, we were, were super nerds about, you know, pop culture, 80s movies. And we also watched a lot of old movies, I think, because our parents, they didn't, I, nobody made us do anything. That was what was cool. But but Jake and I were super nerdy about just, we watched everything. I, I, my education is from television, I, I literally, yeah. from watching old movies and TV. Uh because I was a terrible student and I, I didn't really go to college all Same. that much. <laughs> so, you know, you, but you can learn a shitload of stuff from pop culture yeah. and, uh, and reading, you know, so when I learned you, when, enough to read. And then, yeah. <laughs> there you go. So when you were young and, and all that, you know, like the, the era of, of, of your, you know, Stephen Bochco and Milch and NYP, like, were you, uh, were you young enough or old enough to realize what they were doing when that show was coming on? Like was, cause I mean, I remember yeah. it. Yeah. But I wasn't living yes. with it, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. When like, what, like how transformative happened, that was for for television. It's funny. I I, I was thinking about that recently because you know last year I went and made an NYPD Blue pilot, which was which didn't ultimately get. Uh, I think it's because green. Detective Laura Murphy wasn't in it. I think that's a big part of it. Mm-hmm. I'm sure of it actually. I'm um, sure of it. <laughs> but uh, I, but I started doing a lot of research around the time and I realized, oh God, that's it's really right when I was finishing high school and went to college and I could care less about anything at that point. I was I went to college. I was like I said, I was majoring in bong loads and girlfriends. So <laughs> um I uh so the first couple years of that whole thing, I was aware of it. I knew what was going on, but it was a little lost on me. And uh and so, you know, in going back and looking at all that happened and, and how groundbreaking that was at the time, but that, you know, they, they made a pilot and it didn't go on the air for over a year because because wow. it was because so all the, dark. It was so, it was so well, all the affiliates had dropped out and boycotted and, and nobody was going to, they weren't going to air the show because it was only going to air in like, I don't know how many affiliates, but a, such a small percentage of affiliates Right, that it wasn't commercially viable, and I know was was just really scary for for the network. And I I don't remember exactly what happened, but they essentially said, "Well, you know, 
I think the mandate from from David and and my dad and everyone was like, well, we're gonna walk away and we're never gonna make another bit of TV for anybody ever again. Yeah, right. And they managed to fight their way on and take this thing on politically, and it aired in whatever you know, thirty yeah. percent of the affiliates, and it was a it it hit so fast and so quick, and the world was so ready for uh, that kind of a. It was like a train wreck. I mean, I remember aggressive statement coming from a family of cops. I mean, you know this. When I when I got the job, I mean, never shut up about it. Like my grandfather came. I before he passed away, I got to fly them to set. They met you. They met Dennis, and he literally would stop mm-hmm. people in the street and go, "Do you know my granddaughter? She's on NYPD <laughs> Blue." Um, like I could have done anything else, and that's all they they cared about because family uh, of cops. The best, and that was their religion. I mean, that was their homage and especially nowadays what's going on in the world it's just sad to me i think of that show sometimes and how many good cops there have been do you know what i mean and what's going on now oh yeah i don't know it was just a different time you know i wonder if that could even be made right now listen i mean there are good cops now there were good cops then there have always been good cops that's one of the hardest jobs in the world and there are like every other walk of life in this world there are shitheads do you think that show could even be made right now do you think anyone would touch uh, a pilot I, about cops now? Yes, but it would have to be the right way. And, and, and you know, I think that uh, maybe that was a blessing in disguise that we didn't end up getting put on the air. Uh, yeah, maybe. Because I'm not sure we would have survived that. And, um, and to be honest, uh, we're talking about it again. And if, if we do do it again, you really lean into the reality of what, yeah. we're looking at right now and, and i uh, think you gotta, i really you gotta do go chin th- first i really do think if you put laura murphy in this one it'll go uh-huh i i couldn't you know? agree more i mean Mom. i mean she was only not what, agree more she was only what 30 when she uh made detectives i, I hear she's hot? 32 i heard she's, she's 32 in the new one come on <laughs> so, weirdly enough she only aged two or three years yeah it was like is, two, two is, years ago so after yeah. that you went on to direct you've done like agents of shields and Grey's anatomy i mean you've done so much directing like do you think like do you consider your first act i mean if there was one do you think it was that nypd like your first act that was my yes my like, first I mean, act you know, metaphorically you know my first act was more than that that I consider NYPD Blue to be school. school. It was so awesome to go to get a really, a really incredible job and position that was based solely on nepotism at that point in my life. Uh, they believed in me and, and, and luckily you got to show up and do the job or you're not allowed to stay. And I was able to do the job. Um, Excellent. But might I, I add, you're very, you're very humble. You. I always, and you know, you hate, you hate when I say this, but you are, one of the most talented directors I've ever worked with. And yes, the most humble and you hate, you always make fun, nepotism and all that. But honestly, you are a brilliant director. Thank you, Bonnie. That is very kind. And I only slightly hate it when you say that. You hate, you cringe. You're cringing right now. I don't totally hate it when you say that. (laughs) Okay, I won't say um, it again. But uh, I got to direct 12 episodes of NYPD Blue on on a show that had so much inertia. It was like, it was just you know, that thing was going no matter what. Yeah. yeah. And there was such a support system and there was so much love. It was Mark Tinker and it was, you know, all these incredible producers and directors and writers and, and Nikki actors, yeah. Nikki Wooten. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you got to go, you got to go watch Dennis Franz do what he does so well every day. So by the time, you know, it's, I, I was, I think it was three seasons, right? Three uh, episodes. 
uh, seasons 10, 11, and 12. I'd done 12, and then if you add that, the hour of Philly I'd done, that's 13 hours of, of episodic television that was kind of like just under the radar and watching how some of the best people do it. Yeah. Um, so I got to come out of that with experience. And, uh, and so that I, so that's really uh, almost in a funny way. School. Like that's, I like when that. the, that's when act one starts because then you, then I went and, and got to do shows that were. Then you had uh, to go out on your own and not yeah. be, you know, Steven's son and actually prove that you could direct in other fields. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And, and had some really good experiences and got to do some fun shows and then came back and worked with, my dad again. I worked with my dad um, a number of times over the years. And that's to this day, the great blessing of my life was to be able to have that uh, yeah. experience working with him because, because our work relationship was the coolest. It was, he would always say, you know, I don't, I can't do what he does and he can't do what I do. I'm no writer yeah. and he's no director. So, uh, so he said, I always just left you alone to do what you do. And, and, uh, and it was great. So, there was always this That's really kind of, it, it was a very cool, interesting work relationship that we had. Uh, and that's separate apart from the fact that he was my, my best yeah. dude. He was your best dude. I uh, know. And um, he was my best dude. Sorry for your but, loss. You know, uh, I loved your dad oh, so much, you. man. And of you named course, your little, anybody, and you named your little baby girl, Stevie. She is Stevie. Stevie yeah. Ray Bochka. No, no one that She's knew Bochka was, I mean, even just being in his aura for like a, Cause I was there at the end and I was such good friends with you, but you know, towards the end he would come down on basically, you know, every once in a while, but like, I was so, it was just the most kind, um, supportive, like, like he really loved actors, you know, he never made he you feel like- He was a phenomenal guy. He loved yeah. actors. He loved writers. He was the most ferocious protector of yes. what he considered to be the, you know, the, the nucleus of what he was doing, which was his actors, his writers, his, his team, you know, all of his, every, every, every facet. And so he would go to war on regular with critics and, and studios and standards and practice and all that stuff so that nobody else in the environment had to. And, and that was what was, that was the great lesson I saw and learned. He would say, you guys do what you do. Uh, If we're going to catch heat, I'll, I'll take all the heat. I'll fight those fights uh, because I don't want you guys to have to go through that. I just want you to create stuff and make cool stuff and not be afraid to do what we do. And that, that I loved. I wish I got to work with more people like him. I have to say, yeah, his, um, also his book is amazing. If anyone um, wants to read a legends book about all these stories, truth is the only defense, just uh, Stephen Bochco. That's a good book. It's an awesome book. No, no, it's an awesome book. So if anyone wants to read like, like real stories about Hill Street Blues and writing, going to war and going to war for actors and some pretty crazy stories, read that book separate. And Jesse, when's your next book coming out? Come on, we got to catch up. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm working on it. Your diary. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's in the works. Anytime now. So I, that that's, was like, see, that's funny. So first that act book. was like school and then what? And then what do you think? Like, what was the transition? Like, what, what happened? What was the biggest hurdle you had to overcome after that, you think? Well, I, I would say the biggest hurdle was, I, th- I think I just, I felt like the whole thing was, was cement. Like it was cemented in like, oh, you know, uh, this is great. I'm a working uh, director in television and Hollywood. And, uh, and so I got, I guess I'd gotten about 
seven, eight years down the road or whatever, and had worked and had a lot of had just had a lot of experience, and thought, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna tap out for a second. I'm gonna take some time. Uh, I met my first wife, and we were gonna get married and all that stuff. And I thought, uh, I just this is here. Like this is, I think I took that for granted. This is here. Uh, and I thought if I just dip out for a minute and take a little break, cause I'd been doing an everyday job for over 10 years, it'll all be here when I'm ready to come back. And it wasn't. Mm. So it was such a hard fight to get back. And, you know, to be honest, it's, it, uh, it's still a hard fight to, to just go and wrangle up jobs as a director. Yeah. I'd love to just say, Hey, um, I'm I'm up for directing, you know, can I come in and grab some directing gigs? It's hard. And so that's, that's uh, what I say in the pod, the, the intro, like everything for me sounds like me. I mean, different, but everything was going great right up until the moment it wasn't going great. And I just, yeah, there's always a I moment where, jobs, where everything falls right off the table. <laughs> but I was like you, I thought jobs. I mean, I was so lucky as an actress. I, I never, I was the girl that everyone said, Bonnie always has a pilot. You'll be fine. And then, Mm-hmm. you know, I woke up one day and it's like, I'm in my forties and I get fired, let go from my first show, which happens to every actor, never to me. And everything just seemed to hit the fan and it was all just gone. And it's yeah, like, it's wait, how does 20 something years, you know, it just went away. You know, it just went away. But there's, there's such a phenomenal lesson in it. I know, you know, uh, that that's it, that, that, uh, and we can be self-deprecating and, and, uh, you know, and, and humble and all that shit, but there's still a level of hubris and all that. I had it. You had it. Yeah. Where you think, where you think, well, this is all, this is, this is built in, man. You know, I can sort of do what I need to do here. I can, you know, I can be the the sweetest, funnest person in the world and, you know, don't embarrass me now. Stop it. But you think it's all going to stay forever. And it it just doesn't unless you hustle and you got to hustle hard. Uh, do you think there also, was a, you admit there was a part of you that stopped hustling? Cause I admit, Oh, for sure. I, I admit in my intro, like that, I, you know, I, 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 I suffered from depression. I gained weight. Um, I was going out too much. I was partying too much. I was, you know, my relationships were terrible. I was self-sabotaging. It affected everything. You yeah. know, it affected everything. You no, know, I've had that too in my life. I've done, I've done all those things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. There, there, there's no question about it. You know, I, I don't think anybody's ever accused me of being the hardest working man in show business ever anyway. I, I, I have a bit of a laissez-faire attitude about the whole thing, but, uh, but you do, but we do, we, we have worked hard and we do work hard. And, and anytime you take on one of these gigs, whether you're acting in a role, a series, if it's a one-off, if I'm working an episode of a show where I've taken a, a gig that's more long-term, it's such hard work. It's, it's hard, hard work. So we are working hard, but there's no question. I thought, man, this is, this is, this is a lot. I would love to just chill for a minute. And <laughs> the minute you chill, yeah. <laughs> it kind of kicks you in the ass. Yeah. And it's not to say that you, that you can't find moments for yourself and take time, but I, if but it I taught had you to something. do all over again, the moment I thought, you know what, I'm going to, I'm having this really nice career. I'm going to, I'm going to chill for a second Yeah, is the, exactly the time I should have mashed the pedal because, yeah. and cause I just, and I regret that to this day because I still think it's, it's different, but slowly but surely, uh, you know, you fight, I, mean, I gotta say you uh, t- sort of, I mean, uh, sort of, yes, for sure. Um, 
uh, I got to do this great series that I loved for three years called Murder mm-hmm. in the First. Mm-hmm. Uh, awesome series. Which, which felt like a, just for me, felt like a comeback because I was really proud of the show. I liked the show quite a bit. I liked the environment. I was, you know, the producer director on the ground every day. Uh, and again, that, that was almost, <laughs> it was all those years later, but it was like a graduate school because right. it was a diff, it was, it was a different level of responsibility than I'd ever experienced before. Um, right. and that was great. And then between that and then, you know, my dear friend who I went to high school with Jed Whedon, uh, he married his wife, Marissa, cause she worked, she was Mark Tinker's assistant back in the NYPD blue days. Mm-hmm. And we were all friends. This is like just after college and we were all friends and they met and fell in love and they've been together for however many million years they've been together. And they were, you know, Jed was a musician. He wasn't a writer or anything, but they got sort of tapped to be ghost writers on the Avengers movie because Jed's brother is Joss Whedon. And they were incredible. They, they like hit it out of the park and they didn't get any credit, you know, anything, but they got to go make a series for Marvel and they created a series called uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., mm-hmm. which ended up having this great seven-year run and our boy Henry they would and our boy Henry, but they would mm-hmm. religiously hire me to do two, three episodes a season. Wow. And that was, I mean, that was my only directing work for years. And to Loyalty. be honest, I, it was perfect. I got to go do this really fun show that was never the same thing twice. Sometimes you're in space. Sometimes you're time traveling. Sometimes you're on another planet. Sometimes you're, you know, whatever. It was so fun and, and just different from anything I'd ever done. And that's just sort of kept me afloat and alive. And uh, so, the, so the school, so the I'm very grateful. Act one, the schooling in Act One kind of set you up for the Act Two, right? That was like the lessons you learned. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm still learning lessons in Act Two, and I yeah. think I will always be. But um, and so now, uh, you know, what's kind of been interesting since my dad passed away two years ago, two and a half, uh, is that he left this really incredible library of, of intellectual property behind. And, and he told me and, and his wife, Dana, uh, he said, this, you know, this is here, this is for you guys. If you, if there's something you can do with it, if something you want to do with it, if there's anything anybody else is interested in doing with it. And, uh, and that's been thrilling to that's go amazing. look at all that stuff. And we have four different, four different versions in, in development right now and some are in really advanced stages of development some are a little earlier on but there's so much interest in it there it's so fun to go revisit these things but this actually feels for real like act two possibly this like could this, actually this really could be, the, be the second act yeah that's so I, fabulous I, that's the part i'm excited about and dana my stepmother is uh, we were always close. She's become such a good friend oh. and partner in all of this. And, you know, uh, we've bonded deeper over the fact that we each had the same favorite person in the world. And so we're doing that together. And I think we found a lot of comfort in each other in that, which has been fabulous. And, you know, she was the president of his company for a billion years. I know and they worked together in- and they Stayed in love and I mean everything. She was an executive. So she's still such a fiery 
incredible asset when you go into these rooms and you do all these negotiations and talk to these people and she's brash and cynical at times but she knows what the hell she's talking about she's a lawyer she's a politician she's all these things so i'm like holy shit i I, what a blessing i know i don't i could not do half of this stuff alone i couldn't do any of it alone Uh, you know and we've been lucky enough to get the interest of really interesting directors writers etc that's to revisit some of these projects but i'm so happy to be doing it with her so that's been really fun that's such, that really is such a blessing out of all of that. Like, you know, they say out of tragedy and pain, look at what's growing between you and Dana, like a closer relationship sure. and your dad left you more. There's more to do. There's a third well, act, a fourth yeah. act, a fifth act. Who knows? Possibly. We'll ta- I'll take all the acts. You will, you'll take all the acts. Hey guys, just going to take a break. More with Jesse in just one sec. Hey guys, so this is a quick ad break. Before I do that, I just want to say, I've been doing this for what, 25 years? I have auditioned for so many voiceovers. I have never booked one, okay? Talking about second act, not one. I had to make my own podcast to do a voiceover. So here it is. Summer's over. Fall is here. I know, I know, can't believe it. And you've probably been locked up with your significant other for what, seven, eight months now? I can't even keep count. You still want to look good. With Plexiderm, all you need is 10 minutes and you can look 10 years younger. Who doesn't want to look 10 years younger? It visibly reduces wrinkles, lines, and even eye bags, and results last for hours. So you can try a six-application trial pack for $14.95 with free shipping when you visit TryPlexiderm.com. Use the code BELIEVE. Again, that's TryPlexiderm.com. Use the code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, at checkout. You know what? Make those wrinkles and lines and bags disappear because nobody wants to see that. All right, I, I want to ask you. I'm going to ask you some questions right now. I'm just going to do like sure. the speed round thing, and you're going to answer me. You have no choice. Well, is you can this like the... Lipton style. Are you doing Lipton style here? What are uh, yeah, no, you have good. Yes. <laughs> what is your favorite curse word? Douche. No, no. <laughs> this is my own version. All right, it's very serious. This one though. Okay, great. Who is your favorite whack packer? <laughs> <laughs> I thought about this. Uh, shit! It's Beetlejuice. Come it's on. Beetlejuice. It's gotta Beetle. be Beetlejuice. Uh, it, it's Beet for sure. Yeah. Um, but anyone listening, we're we're Howard Stern fanatics, so hopefully someone got that question. Eric, Eric is yeah. phenomenal. I got, don't give. Beat, no, I'll go beat. down that rabbit hole because because I'll start to think about the nuances of of other people. I yeah. honestly, I think Sour Shoes is possibly number two. I. Possibly number two, Sarah. Ooh, ooh. Also, I also love that you're the only person on earth that we leave each other voice notes that make no sense for the past fifteen years, and we could just go like, "Yeah, Yeah, we're we're totally lame, but uh, but at least at least we like it. Okay, what was the favorite episode of television you ever directed? And if you don't say it's the one I was in, I'm gonna I'm gonna edit this out. But you could just go for it anyway. All right. Well, then it'll just be for us because. Pick one. No, no, I'm kidding. I love you so much. Um, I directed an episode of a show called Over There. It was an FX show about the Iraq War. I love that um, show. That nobody ever watched, which is such a bummer because it was during like, it was right in the beginning of the whole second 
act, the second act of the Iraq war. Um, and it was such a good show. Anyway, I, 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 I directed an episode early on, uh, with a young upstart named Rami Malek, who nobody had mm. ever heard of before. Oh, I never heard of him thinking um, he won an Oscar. Uh, I'd like to think I had something to do with that. Um, mm. And it was incredible. It was, it, was, it was an episode called The Prisoner. And uh, our, the, the troop of, of soldiers we were following uh, essentially kidnapped a, you know, somebody who they believed to have uh, intel on mm. where some missiles were, whatever. So they, it ends up being this kind of bottleneck uh, episode where we're holding this kid hostage to get information from him. And then another brilliant actor named Michael Cudlitz was, uh, was played a, a colonel who was this, basically this incredible son of a bitch who ends up getting the information. Anyway, it was, it was the hardest, coolest thing I'd ever done. I had to do, you know, full blown fire attacks and, uh, we were out on some ranch in the middle of nowhere and so much heat forever oh, shooting man. it. And uh, I kind of really didn't know what the hell I was doing. And it somehow turned out wonderful. It was an uh, awesome show. I, I watched I, it. I, yeah, I stood on the shoulders of a lot of good talent on that episode, but it, what, what came out was really, really good. Mm. Um, and uh, so, yeah, that's the one I, I keep coming back. I watched it like two years ago just to see if what I remembered was true and it's still pretty good. It is <laughs> it's good. Okay. Yeah. What what's the worst actor you ever worked with? And if you don't want to name names, is there a story? A mini story without naming names? You you won't play yeah, the on that to... one? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Oh shit. I know you have many. I have, I have like I have a couple, but <laughs> I don't want to name any. Names no, you don't. No, no, no. Always, don't name any names. I don't want to. No, obviously, obviously, because I also care what people think about me. It's like I my, know, it's, and you're it's kind. my great flaw. It's your great great flaw that you're kid, so kind. I worked with a kid who was, who I I, I have no malice towards whatsoever, um, and in and in hindsight. Oh, I just feel terrible. He must feel terrible. But, oh, Je uh, Jesse, you really are the biggest-hearted person. <laughs> stop, stop, stop. But at the time, it was it was a bummer. But so this kid was showing up, you know, like he was just a guest star, by the way, guest star oh. on a show that I'm not involved with, other than just being a guest director. And uh, and he's showing up thirty, forty minutes late every day, and just and just just. There was just a level of apathy that was so <laughs> that was so astonishing. Uh, and then when he would perk up, he would just sort of have some ideas that, that weren't my, you know, that I didn't jive with necessarily. But that was fine. They actually started sending uh, our second second to go pick him up every morning because <laughs> that was the only way they were going to get him in the makeup chair on time. So that's all going on. But eh, whatever, I, I, it's sort of peripheral, and I'm not really dealing with it too much so one day we're we're shooting on an interior set that takes place in a cave and uh so it's like smoke and dirt cave and cave. it just cave it's just it's just, just it was cave. so impressive it, it, this, this by the way ends up being my second favorite episode i've ever directed but that's neither here nor there okay. um so we go in to shoot 
this young man's coverage, his close up, and he starts falling asleep in his in his in his takes. He's <laughs> he's nodding off in his takes. Um, and so so I go, you know, and this is now, you know, it's a lot of takes that had been not good. And then, then this, then, then, then the confirmation, Oh, my man is, it's also about nine 30 in the morning. So he's nodding off in his, in his takes. And so, I mean, Bonnie, when I say the, like, it was one of those ones, it's like, you know, when, when the, when it's so tight and yeah. the eye lines, so, you like, they put a dot in the mat box for yeah. you. So like, you can't look like away. It's that it's like right, <laughs> like right here. And uh, so you can't fake it. So I finally, I go, fuck, fuck, fuck. Okay. So now you have to walk in the way you have to walk into this set was come out around the, the where the monitors are and you got to go down this life. There's one way in one way out of the set and it's long. And then you got to go into this one big sort of everything's a dirt floor in here. You're in, in Kabul. Cave. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then there's a second sort of a second room with a curtain between the two. And he's gone back into there after I've called cut. What the fuck? Okay. So I go in and the whole crew is in the first thing, you know, cameras, light, all the people. And I, I step behind the curtain now. And that's, that's all that's separating me and the whole crew. And I say, uh, what's going on? Can I, uh, how can I help you? And he's like, well, what, what, what are you talking about? And I said, well, what's going on here? Uh, you, I, you just, you just fell asleep in your close up. And, uh, and I said, look, I said, look, uh, uh, are you fucked up? Like what's going on? And he starts to, he starts to yell at me. Uh, I, actually there was a moment where I thought it could become physical. He starts to, he's, and he, really? but he, he starts to, he says that I've never been treated like this in my whole life. And he's yelling at me and he said, how could you say that I worked so hard? And, and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and then he starts to weep, I cry. I don't know. He starts to cry. Uh, and I'm, I, I'm sitting there, it's about a five minute conversation where I'm just saying, look, dude, I want to help you, but you, I, I can't, I don't know what to do here. I said, I think you need to leave the set. And, and, you know, so we kind of got away from this point where I thought possibly there was a physical altercation, but I don't know what was going to happen. And then I go to pull this, the, you know, the, the curtain back from where I think everybody is right there on the other side, all feeling like, well, if something gets sideways, five people are going to come in and pull it. Yeah. This, this kid is much bigger than me and could, could rip my head off. <laughs> I pull it back. They're gone. It's a, the whole set is a ghost town. There's not one fucking person there. Ooh. And I wander out and, you know, and then there's a bunch of people like way off deep into the yeah. shadows. Yeah. And, the, and, the, and this, this young actor left the set and, and they're, proceeded to be another hour or two of negotiations on how to get him back on to set and let me uh, guess, all that let, stuff. Let me guess. He's now an Oscar winner. It was Rami Malek. Oh, no, I'm just kidding. I knew it. No, it was, that was a, that was an interesting and you're, day. You know office. what? That's a kind story. Like I say, you're, you're, you're one of those directors that actually cares and, there are many others that do not behave that way. They do not say, how can I help you? They do not act like you. I've got another one that I liked. Okay, go ahead. And I will not use this name of this very well-known actor. All right, I'll get it. I'll well get it later, and I'll put it on my Instagram. Go. And who, uh, adv advanced in age, like old, an older gentleman. Mm. Uh, I think at the time, probably in his late seventies. And 
he was a really difficult guy to work with. Like I, I was a very young director and I, he's the only actor that ever gave me nightmares ever. I, the only actor I ever had a dream about. And I was so scared of him and he was so difficult. <laughs> and we were shooting one night and I won't tell you the, it was, it's more fun if I tell you what the set we were shooting in, but that'll give too much away. All right. And, and, uh, and we're shooting late and it's like, it's like midnight, you know, we're trying to get off set and we're doing a big turnaround in this giant set. So we're all standing around and talking and whatever, and they're doing the lights and uh, I'm talking to them and all of a sudden I just, something catches my eye right out of the corner of my eye. And I look down on the rug where we're standing and I see this, a tiny bag of cocaine hit, hit the floor. And, and he just, he just, you know, it's, it's like, he just shuffles his foot like two inches over to cover it. <laughs> and, and instead of, instead of me being like, what the fuck? Or like, oh my God, I'm so, I'm so mortified. I don't want to mortify him. I was just like, I literally was like, what, huh? What? Okay. Oh, I'll be right. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, literally, I, I couldn't have gotten out of there faster. And I was like, oh, well, A, that makes a lot of sense as to why mm. he's such a pain in the ass nightmare and B. I just like the uh, slow-footed, like, oh my god, it's like, like slow motion. That yeah. happened to me also on a set too once. I won't give away the name. It literally fell out of his pocket, and then there was a deep dive of three, um, like a gaffer and a grip. They all deep dove and they were, they grabbed for it, and and uh, it we went into the hands of someone else, and they were like finders keepers, and they all just walked away. <laughs> oh, because the the dropper didn't know they dropped. No, it. he kept walking oh, on yeah, it. Oh yeah, fuck and, you. And, and, and you don't and even know you dropped yeah, it. The whole crew, they were like, oh, well, got it. No, it's mine. No, whoop, finders keepers. And, they, and I was like, oh, shit, you're not going to tell them? They're like, hell no. <laughs> oh, my God. That sucks. That's amazing. That's an amazing yeah, that, story. Yeah, that one was pretty good. I've dined out on that one once or twice. Okay, let me ask one more question. Okay. You, so you just said, so the first act was school. Second act was, you know, coming back, what you did after that. So what do you think? Like, what would you imagine or could you imagine if you had your druthers, your third act is going to be like? Like, is, what would you like to be happening? That's a good question. I was, uh, um, I was just thinking about this the other day because, because we're working on right now. I mean, I've never had this. I'm working on developing at least four things and maybe more. Uh, I love the idea of... I used to always, if I got involved in a show, I, w I would either be a director and come in and I, l I love the job of being a, uh, one, you know, a director for hire, you show up, you get three, it's a three week job, know, you know, it, it can be real job. hard. It can be really fun. It could be a total shit show, but, but you're in and you're out and, and that's pretty fun. Or I've always been kind of like a producer director and that's a real everyday gig. You know, you're, you're up at the crack of dawn and you're going home late. Um, family. You're, you're, it's also your second family. It is. You spend more time with them than you do with your yeah. own. So you better, you, you might as well make it a good environment. Yeah. But, um, but so I really love this idea now of, of being involved in a different, in just in a different way to be, to be a producer on some shows going forward uh, and hope that, and, and being there, but you don't, I'm not necessarily, necessarily there all the time, all right. day, every day. Uh, and just 
just sort of being a part of, of multiple things at once. That, that excites me. It just I've never really been able to do that before, and that would be really cool. Do I you have any interest in doing a feature? No, I used to a lot more than I do now. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, TV is TV is the best content there is, anyway. Yeah, uh, I think doing a feature would be phenomenal. Mm-hmm. It would just have to be the right, the right thing at the right mm-hmm. time. Um, but yeah, I, I would love to. There, there, there's no question about there's it. There's nothing you can't um, do, Jesse. Well, that's nice of you to say. But there's oh. a few things I can't do. Really, I can't even balance my checkbook. So, well, I can't, can't either. That. But everybody's good at something, yeah. as as my boyfriend says. And we, you're good at you're good at you're good at directing. And thank you. We've I mean, got I'm some good talents, huh? We've got a couple. Thi- we've got a couple talents. We, we do. do. Listen, we have a couple of do. talents. You know, I, I I have some skills. I have some skills. You do. I love you so much. I thank you. I I can't tell you what an honor it is to, to interview you, someone who I've I've always looked oh. up to and admired, and who you've been such a good friend to me when I've had those. Man, how many times have you talked me off the ledge when I was like, is it me? You know, am I ever going to work again? And see, I get all emotional when I talk about this. But like, it's true, you know, for people out there listening, I just want them to know that like, whatever it is, you know, things could go away. But, you know, you, there's, yeah. always, there's always another chance. You can, you can reinvent yourself. You don't, you know, don't give up. You know, that's kind of why of I wanted course. to do this show. Uh, of course. And I'm glad you're doing this show. I think it's a really great, smart thing that you're doing. Um, it's an important it's an important thing to explore. You're bringing it to people so that they can see it and experience yeah. it. But this is this is as cathartic as it gets too for yeah. you. Well, for so me, yeah. I, I think what you're doing is is phenomenal. I'm Thanks. excited, and there is always a way. There's always a I way know. to. It's, to it, this, the comeback to is stronger the than the setback, baby. Yeah, that's exactly right, kid. Even that's though, the T-shirt. <laughs> that's the T-shirt. Even though, in full disclosure, to whoever's two people are listening. I did call my agents last week and cry and go, am I ever going to work again? You know, but that's the, like the typical actor, you know, but yeah. everyone's saying that right now anyway, but it just feels yeah. like, like we said, when you work so, for such a long time and you just never expected the bottoming out, you know, it does put a lot in perspective. So I do, I have learned a lot, you know, like you said, you learned a lot. I, we learned a lot and there's a lot more to learn. We're going to be great. You're going to be fucking great. You're going to be great. Do you want me? Right. Are I you, love you. I love you. Do you want people to follow you on your social media? You're very private. Sure, you can follow. I mean, it's it's not What's, private. So. It's not because it's, you do have no, you do have a ridiculous guys. If you are into absolute inappropriate hysterical humor like Jesse and I are, his Instagram is one of the funniest Instagrams out there. It's what is it no. at? It's at Jesse Bochco. Eight, oh, it's at Jesse. I thought it was Jay, but at Jesse Bochco. But he J E S S E B O C H C O. Uh, Instagram, because I'm not on anything but Instagram. Instagram, yes. And you, um, very irreverent, very funny, always hysterical. I'm, bas- I'm basically just uh, stealing other people's humor, but it's fun <laughs> to do it. I'm constantly showing Dave your, do you follow him yet, Jesse? I'm constantly leaning over going, look at this, look at this, look at this. Come on, Dave, we gotta get, we gotta get you on there, man. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring Dave on. He's gonna be my, my uh, sidekick soon. <laughs> He's sitting over there like, okay. I love you, Jesse. Thank you for doing this. I love you. Uh, can can I get the you and Dave to like buy me a, a sparkly water one time or something? Uh, absolutely. Okay, great. Well, I'll let's figure out a time. We'll we'll hang out. Let's do it. I'm all sure right, all your listeners want to hear us making plans. It's really yes, fun. they do. They want to know that we have lives, big lives. Yeah. All right, Jesse. Bigly. I Bigly. love you. Love Thank you. Thank you. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Ah.
love that guy. Thank you, Jesse Bochco. Um, he's such a great guy, and he has so many amazing stories. And talk about humility. I mean, that is an example of someone I worked with that is the most humble person and so grateful for everything he has and taught me so much about being that way on the business. Um, I'm truly honored I got to talk to him. Thank you, Jesse, so much. So guys, I just want to remind you, please subscribe, share, comment, like, leave a five-star review because I want to keep going and I have many, many more people that have awesome stories that I want to share with you and um thank you for being here with me today this was really awesome I've always wanted to do this so I'm gonna go celebrate right now my boyfriend thank you Dave McLean my producer he's sitting there shyly saying he can laugh he uh produced this all of this so thank you to my love for doing that because I wouldn't have done it without him and um I just can't wait to hear all your stories and and please write to me um whether it's on my Instagram Bonds Somerville or uh, second act underscore pod on Instagram and ask me some questions. I'd love to ask, um, answer your questions. I'd love to hear from all of you and tell some of your stories. So thanks for being here. Can't wait for the next one. And remember, don't ever, ever, ever give up because you never know when your second act is right around the corner. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.